Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, the show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. We work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to assure a more successful future. With me today as our guest panelist is my good friend, Andre Howard. Andre, would you please introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Tom. Great to join you this afternoon for a great, uh, great show. I'm Andre Howard with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities, work within our Center on Leadership, and uh, bring you greetings from uh, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Outstanding. Well, today, Andre and I are proud to have with us as our special guest, a partner of longstanding John Tropman, the Henry J. Meyer Collegiate Professor Emeritus of the School of Social Work at the University of Michigan. John teaches nonprofit management courses at the School of Social Work and organizational behavioral and human resource management courses at the Ross School of Business. John also teaches courses in effective decision-making and creativity for the university's executive education program. John's been a tremendous partner to the Alliance for the last 16 years as one of the driving forces behind our well-respected Executive Leadership Institute. John, it's great to have you with us today. Could you begin our discussion today by sharing your leadership journey with us? Well, thank you. I'm pleased to be here, and I'm pleased to be invited. Uh, My leadership journey, I think, began uh, in the eighth grade when I was elected president of my eighth grade class, and since that time, I've had a number of what I would call positional leadership roles, uh, which have included uh, at the University of Michigan, uh, head of the Institute of Gerontology, dean of the School of Social Work. Uh, special assistant to the dean at uh, the School of Social Work and a variety of uh, high-profile advisory committees uh, at, at the university. So that's, I, I haven't had a career of positional leadership, uh, but I have taken, I would say, probably several dozen positions for a while, a year, two years, three years, uh, while maintaining my role as a uh, professor and scholar. I would also say that uh, I would consider myself, in addition to being a positional leader, a thought leader. Uh, in each Amen. of the positions, I've contributed new ideas, new initiatives. That's possibly the reason that I haven't stayed on. I don't know. But um, I, I sort of... Uh, I'm a person who will introduce uh, new ways of, of thinking about things. So I would say that I'm a thought leader as well as a positional leader, and I alternate uh, and combine both of those uh, positions and roles. Well, I think that many turn to you as one who is a thought leader on the whole idea of leadership. How have you seen the challenges of leadership change over the years, John? Well, I would say, uh, based on my observation of working with a lot of uh, positional leaders and thought leaders, that the uh, the complexity of the leadership job, particularly the positional leadership job, has increased dramatically. Uh, there are just so many more variables. It's always been a complex job, but there are so many more variables that need to be taken into account. So, so that's sort of... Uh, one thing. Uh, secondly, uh, and particularly, I think, recently, but sometimes within subsectors uh, all along, there's a lot of division, there's a lot of rancor, uh, it's tougher and tougher to bring people together, people get uh, sort of cemented in their uh, positions, there seems to be more ideology uh, and uh, 
it's really difficult to be a servant leader uh, when people are, uh, you know, extremely hostile to each other and uh, don't listen to each other and disregard evidence. So I, I think that's been an in, a sort of increasingly di- difficult thing in today's uh, leadership environment. Well, what specifically do you think that leaders today have to be able to do that maybe leaders from, say, 15 years ago didn't necessarily have to be able to do? Well, I would say that uh, there's been an increase in the need to to multitask. There's just more balls that you have to have in the air. and a number of leaders have actually augmented their staff. Uh, we now have, uh, as Andre knows, uh, the development of a chief strategy officer. Many leaders are now having chiefs of staff, which used to be reserved for maybe some of the leaders of the largest corporations, but many, many smaller organizations are adding that position uh, to um a, help the leader think ahead because she or he will be beleaguered by just an avalanche of incoming pressures and uh, to, to help the leader also manage some of that flow uh, to uh, her or him. Uh, secondly, and it's sort of related, is the uh, development of technology that puts leaders more than they ever were, I think, on a 24-7 availability cycle. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. people will write a message in the evening and expect to hear back the next morning. Uh, And so there's there's so many more avenues of social media that we have to just uh, figure out ways of of managing that. I I don't think we're doing as good a job uh, in the nonprofit sector with that aspect as uh, perhaps we could. Mm-hmm. John, do you think that there's a greater interest in the study of leadership today? I think there's a greater interest in the study of leadership in the, in one sense. There's a lot of a lot of books on leadership. Uh, the thing, from a sort of scholarly point of view, that I would point out is that um, much of that literature is what would be anecdotal in nature. That is, it's individual leaders writing about their own experience, which is certainly mm-hmm. valid in, in one way. Uh, but I personally would like to see more in-depth empirical studies uh, of leaders and what they do and how they do it uh, so that we have more confidence in making the pronouncements uh, that are based in fact and evidence rather than uh, just my opinion. Um, as, as somebody said once, uh, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but they're not entitled <laughs> to their own facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, do you see uh, examples of this that are emerging, John, where folks are actually beginning to study leadership from an evidence-based Approach? I do. Uh, and, and it's coming from places that don't necessarily gain a lot of acceptance. For example, Google has developed two very interesting projects. Uh, the Aristotle Project um, is, is one where they were looking at uh, sort of what makes uh, a good team, what makes a good um, Manager, uh, they have another project on that, and so uh, Google has done a deep dive into the evidence, and you can take a look at it. Uh, I think the Gallup organization uh, has also done that in their use of the Strengths Finder. So that's based on interviews with many, many people and using their survey skills. So those those are the kinds of things that I think are are well worth looking at. However, uh, many of my colleagues. Uh, in the academy, don't view them as research organizations, so I don't think they're getting the credibility and uh, really uh, attention that, that they deserve. So those are just two mm-hmm. examples, Tom, of uh, what I would consider uh, current, reasonably current, evidence-based studies. Now, this is not the top leader, but they're sort of 
highly productive managers, highly productive teams, which I would consider very valuable information. Outstanding. Well, thanks, John. We have to take a short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Join host Sandy Giroux each week for Leadership and Life. This program illustrates different aspects of leadership and shows you how it's not just confined to the workplace or even our job duties. You'll hear more about the human side of leadership, which includes connecting on a non-work-related level. In fact, a lot of what happens on this level definitely affects how leaders are viewed as such. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, John Tropman, the Henry J. Meyer Collegiate Professor Emeritus of the School of Social Work at the University of Michigan. In the last segment, John was describing his leadership journey and sharing the ways that the challenges of leadership have evolved over the years. John, you often talk about the difference between management and leadership. Could you spend a little bit of time with us now talking about those differences? I'd be happy to, Tom. Let me just uh, interject. I I think I only mentioned one of the two uh, Google projects. Um, The Aristotle Project is one, and the Oxygen Project is the other. So if any of your listeners want to look them up, there's quite a bit written on them, including the reports of those uh, studies themselves. In terms of management and leadership, uh, I like to think of them as a double helix, and they require different skill sets and different dispositions. So managers, on the one hand, uh, simplify, organize, regularize, uh, and make the organization, help the organization uh, to run. Leaders, on the other hand, question, uh, ask. They have the uh, the interrogative gene, as it were. Why are we doing it this way? Could we do it another way? What about this? What about that? Uh, they're innovative and somewhat disruptive. Mm-hmm. And so the question often comes up, uh, if you're in an organization, well, if they're sort of different, and, and if you're able to do both things, 
uh, how do you know when to do one or the other? And there are probably many answers to that, but one that I like is that you do the opposite of what's going well in the organization. (laughs) So if things are running well, maybe it's time to try some innovation. If you got a lot of ideas, but not much is happening uh, in terms of outcomes, then maybe you want to try uh, a, a little uh, a little management. So you sort of bob and weave between the two of them at the organizational level and and with individual people uh, who report to you as well. Uh, sometimes you're going to focus on one side. Sometimes you're going to focus on the other side. And our goal is always to have organizations that are well-led and well-managed. Mm-hmm. If you think that you're a good manager, then you may overuse that skill and you have a well-managed but poorly-led organization. If it's the other mm-hmm. way around, you have a well-led but poorly-managed organization. So, so that's um, sort of what we, what we want to try to avoid. And then, of course, there's the last cell, poorly-managed, poorly-led organizations, which need sort of a, a redo. Yes, yes absolutely. absolutely. You know, you know John, John, you need to talk a little bit about how supervision fits into all that. So we have leadership, we have management, and then there's supervision. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. Supervision is frequently one of the first, quote, managerial jobs that... Uh, People get, uh, and it's it's frequently badly handled. Uh, Mary had her baby, and you get the call saying, "Well, Mary had her baby, so you're going to take over uh, her supervisee starting Monday morning." Agencies <laughs> frequently promise they'll help, and often don't. Mm-hmm. So people are sort of uh, dropped into the shark tank, and they they really don't know what to do. Um, when I talk about supervision, I, I sort of talk about several different kinds of supervision. Uh, one of them is professional supervision, which is how are you doing your job, and I've been doing this job, and I can, I can help you, and this is true whether it's clients or a project or a budget uh, or whatever. Another kind has to do with managerial supervision. So this really is, we start at 8, and, and you got to come here at 8, <laughs> And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a typical sort of story is Sally's coming in late, and so the new supervisor says, well, you're, you're coming in late. How do you feel about that? And, of course, that would be a, a typical thing that uh, a human service person might ask, and Sally would say, well, great, the traffic's better and the coffee's made. <laughs> and really... <laughs> You recognize at that point that this is a different kind of supervision. It's managing to rule. And, mm-hmm. and so you have to understand your, yourself in that perspective. Then there's career development supervision. Uh, there's supportive supervision. Uh, and there's what I call reflective supervision. That means that at a certain point you sit back maybe once a quarter and look and see how things are going over time because so much supervision actually focuses on what's happening this week and today (laughs) that you Mm -hmm. may lose a sense of the bigger picture. Well, talking about the bigger picture, you often talk about the need to orchestrate high-performing persons into high-performing organizations. Can you share a few of your thoughts on that, please? Well, I can. Um, One of the things to keep in mind, I think, Tom and Andre, is that most people think that their next job is just like their old job, only bigger. And Mm -hmm. within job bans, that's certainly true. But when you move, let's say, from uh, a direct service provider to a supervisor, your job has actually changed, and you have to learn new things and you don't have to forget old things, but you have to bracket the old things. Um, for example, the, the service provider will often try to get, let's say, a client to come to a decision themselves. A managerial supervisor doesn't really have all that much luxury. Uh, somebody has to come in on time, and if they're not coming in on time, that becomes a, man- a managerial issue. Um, Now, when you get to the top of the organization, moving from the C-level group 
to CEO is mm-hmm. roughly equivalent in an orchestra to moving from the first violinist to the maestro. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so that's right. what I like to think of the CEO as, a maestro. And now the maestro's job, even though she or he might be excellent on it, an instrument, frequently they are, uh, but their job isn't to play that instrument. Their job is to make the orchestra sound good. So if you think of the organization as an orchestra, you have terrifically talented people that have to meld their talents together to work together so that the overall sound is fantastic. And Mm -hmm. that's what we would aim for, and that really is the job uh, of the CEO, which is why I like the term maestro better. Um, Mm -hmm. Executive chef is another term. Executive chefs don't really cook. They plan the menus. They they plan everything. They orchestrate the kitchen, the front of the house, the back of the house. So there's just all kinds of tasks that they do, which is sort of why they're called executive chef. Uh, So understanding that your job has changed and that you have to think and act differently is a, a great challenge, and I really don't think that we prepare our, our CEOs for that. One reason is that many organizations don't have succession plans, so we don't. We just wait till something happens to the current CEO, he or she leaves, and then we look for somebody else. So we we can't actually help bring them up to speed for the job that they're going to step into. It's a, a I think a little bit of a failure of talent management. On a, in, mm-hmm. in a number of our organizations' experience. Uh, so organizations have sort of two jobs. Uh, they have to do their product, make their product, have outcomes around their product, and then they have to lead in their community as well. So this is sort of the other job of, of, of the CEO. Um, and organizations need to both serve and advocate. So the the maestro not only has to have the orchestra looking good, but has to get funding for the orchestra, has to think about the audience, what will they want, what will they listen to, things like that. Sure. sure. John, you, you also talk a lot about learning from champions. What should we be learning from champions? Well, champions are people, in my view, who are tremendously good at whatever it is that they do. So they are actually the virtuosos. And virtuosos have a lot in common. Uh, Now, they may not be CEOs, but we can learn a lot from them. And some of their common characteristics that researchers have uncovered are are these, and I won't go through a big list, but I'll I'll just give a few examples. Um, One of them is that they feel responsible That is, they will look around and see what needs to be done and clear the table, do the dishes, whatever needs to be done, they're sensitive to that, and they don't go by, they don't drive on by, uh, they'll stop and help help out. Um, Secondly, uh, they use what we call self-to-self measure. They, They don't compare themselves to others. They compare themselves to them to themselves, or I guess more accurately, their former self uh, or mm-hmm. earlier self. So if they're trying to improve, they'll say, well, I, was, I had this time on my uh, lane swimming uh, last week, and now I've got two, I'm two seconds better than I was before. Um, mm-hmm. Or my spaghetti sauce is just a little bit better than it was before. Uh, so, so they're continually trying to improve and they're constant learners. They never stop learning. They never stop improving. But they also recognize that their success, this is sort of the third point, is based on not only their own work, but the help of many others, coaches, mm-hmm. the people who keep the pool at the right temperature, the people who prepare the running track, uh, so that all of those things contribute to their success and so they're not egotistical in the sense that I did it. They really think of, of their success as a we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're, they're determined, but they're, they're also very humble. 
they also uh, achieve closure. The, the people, we all know people like this, that we can go to and get stuff done. I've worked with Andre mm-hmm. a long time, and he's one of a person like that. You know, you talk to Andre, I agree. stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I never have to call him twice. I mean, I may, may call him again on something else. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other people, I have to say, remember that that conversation we had about the X? Oh yeah, I'm working on it. Uh, well, working on it doesn't mean it's done. It means I forgot about it. <laughs> so from that perspective, um, they really seek accomplishment. Um, and they seek, they seek achievement, but they seek accomplishment as well. And accomplishment is doing something really well, even though only a few people know about it. It's not a competition yeah. necessarily. Uh, I made a great burger. And <laughs> how good is that? Well, it's really good. And it's just mm-hmm. for me and my partner, and that's where it's at. So that's accomplishment. You're, it's not a burger contest. Now, they, they wouldn't shy away from a, bur- a burger contest either. Uh, and these these uh, sort of characteristics are common across all different kinds of people who are excellent at what they do: writers, musicians, uh, sports figures. Uh, it's sort of interesting that underneath the specific technical skill that they have, there's a sort of package of uh, attitudinal and dispositional features that uh, are amazingly common. And I think we can pay attention to that and learn from that. Very good. Thanks for those thoughts, John. We have to take a short break. We'll be right back. Please stay with us. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you are more interested in learning about the business of IT, tune into This Week in IT with hosts Lang Maith and Andre Forte. Your hosts collectively have over 30 years of professional IT experience. Each week, their program showcases industry news and special guests taking a deeper look at new technologies, business contracting, security, new product demos, and business startups. Listen live for This Week in IT every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, John Trobman. 
the Henry J. Meyer Collegiate Professor Emeritus of the School of Social Work at the University of Michigan. In the last segment, uh, we were talking about uh, the difference between management and leadership, the need to orchestrate high-performing persons uh, into uh, high-performing organizations, and learning from champions. In this segment, Andre will facilitate the discussion with John with a focus on change leadership and the Executive Leadership Institute. Andre, Andre take it away. Great. Thanks, Tom. John, uh, really enjoying our conversation this afternoon. Um, and, and Dr. Schraubin has great history uh, in really helping uh, the sector into, and, and turning it into what it is today. So I really want to give credit to Dr. Trotman for being that thought leader that certainly we have uh, valued and continue to value uh, as we carry out uh, the important work that we do. But Dr. Trotman, let's talk about the Executive Leadership Institute, ELI. You and I work closely on that um, each year. Uh, we, we typically bring together 30 um, uh, leaders uh, from the social sector from our network uh, to engage in some um, adaptive learning and engagement. Um, and I know about 16 years ago, you and a few others had um, some ideas around how uh, that Leadership Institute was to work, was supposed to work, was to be about. And I'd love to get your insight in terms of some of the early thinking about that institute uh, 16 years ago and, and how you think it's come along um, uh, today. Well, I'm happy to do that, Andre. Um, we looked at some of the literature on uh executive leadership training and the, the successful programs uh, seem to have at a core of three pillars. One was uh, excellent content and presentations. Uh, second was a project. And uh, since our program is a two-year program, the project occurs between the first year and the second year. So we have first-year students and second-year students. Uh, and the project is aimed at um, something that maybe their agency or organization has wanted to do but hasn't been able to get to. So this is this, it's, it's sort of of use to the organization. And uh, you and I and uh, others uh, communicate with them throughout the year to see how their project uh, is, is going. And then a chance for networking uh, to meet other people from all over the country that they wouldn't necessarily get to meet uh, in a... Uh, pretty intensive setting, so they, uh, uh, it's not quite speed dating, but it's close enough. I mean, it, they're, they're trying to get to know each other well, quick, quickly. Um, with respect to the uh, presenters, we had a sort of an idea that uh, there'd be sort of three groups of them. There'd be uh, professors, and there'd be professionals, uh, and uh, and then there would be uh, re- researchers who had some, were developing some interesting or, or, or new thing so that uh, they would have a chance to uh, to hear from some, some edgy mm-hmm. people, or other, they weren't personally edgy, but they were working at the edge of, uh, of of some new ideas. Uh, we also had the idea that uh, we would alternate the years between a generally a focus on management one year and a focus on leadership the next year. And, and then we would sort of keep that alternating back and forth. Now, of course, they're, they're close because of that double helix concept, but we do try to, um, to, to keep that sort of pendulum swinging back and forth so that we're not over-focusing on one side and, and ignoring uh, on the other side. And we try to pick speakers that will, will align to whatever the year's uh, emphasis or whichever uh, the year's emphasis uh, uh, is. Um, we've had, for example, uh, one of the people that has been a pretty regular person uh, is uh, the former president of the University of Michigan, James J. Duderstadt, and he's been a, uh, an exceptional leader in uh, in higher ed. Uh, he wrote a book called From the Helm, in which he, t- he talks about leading a very large organization and, and, and how you do that. Um, and I think people have always enjoyed him, but we've had, we've had others. We've had people from the sports field, uh, 
and uh, just a uh, you know a range of uh, sort of special presenters uh, as well as people who work and teach uh, in the, uh, the the non the nonprofit area. And I think we've kept to that pretty well, Andre. I think that mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a good formula. Um, sure. I think some of the students. Uh, might like a little more time to network, but um, I, I think maybe they get together after the day's program is done. I'm not so I'm not so sure, but I mm-hmm. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yes, yep. They have a long a year long engagement and network with each other throughout that that year. So, uh, but it's a great program. Sixteen years, uh, over three hundred thirty or so uh, leaders have gone through it. Many of them have, have become executives in the in the network. So it just talks and speaks to the integrity. And of course, Tom Wall uh, is also a regular faculty of the ELI. So it's just a great program. And, and Dr. Charman, we continue to work on it and improve it. You've done a uh, great work with that. The other piece I would, would, would be remiss in not talking about, of course, is um, the number of writings and, and books you've produced as well, a lot around uh, governance, uh, and a lot around having effective meetings, you know, making meetings work, effective uh, meetings and um, how to become uh, better at uh, having a more successful meeting. Um, I'd be interested in, in, in picking your brain a little bit in terms of why you think the meeting piece has been such an important piece to write about uh, over the years from your perspective. Well, sure, Andre. I'm happy to do that. Um, I... Uh I got interested in meetings mainly because as a younger professor, I sat through so many useless meetings. <laughs> and I, I thought, uh, you know, this is costing a bundle. I, I mean, uh, and you can buy a meeting clock. I mean, there are meeting clocks, and if you Google meeting clock, uh, several will come up, and you can punch in everybody's hourly rate and say, you know, this thing cost us $1,500, and we haven't even finished. All we've done is agree to meet again. Um, so uh, so there's just the cost aspect. And um, I was very fortunate to get some uh, early funding from the uh, 3M company. They had a meeting management institute, and I developed a couple projects, the meeting master's project and uh, the... Uh, Meeting Maestro's project. The, the Meeting Master's project focused on how to organize a, a meeting uh, so that, as I like to say, you can get as little done as you do now in half the time. Um, but whether that's any good or not is the second part. So the, 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 the purpose of having a, a terrifically well-organized meeting is uh, to make high-quality decisions. And with that in mind, uh, I discovered that there were certain people who were able to manage the decision cycle extremely effectively. Uh, and, and so I, I have written uh, several books on various aspects uh, of that. It's, it's sort of an interesting challenge. Everybody complains about meetings. It's sort of like the weather, but nobody wants to do anything about it. Right. And... Um, it's led me to the conclusion that I should never underestimate people's commitment to rotten practices. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just think it's terrible. We, we, That's good, Dr. We do, we Very good. Not doing good. it, but um, um, quick, another quick question I have for you. I mean, obviously, yeah, sure. Tristan to the university. Uh, I le- I love to again hear your perspective in terms of how you think uh, universities today are currently preparing social sector leaders for today and for tomorrow. I know University of Michigan has a wonderful school of social work, um, but how do you think we're doing? How do you think universities are faring in preparing um, leaders for the social sector? Well, I I would have a couple of observations on that to share with you. Uh, I think the University of Michigan uh, is doing that. We have about 150 management majors and minors in our in our school so I think that we're um, among a handful of schools that are ac- actually have tracks for people interested in uh, nonprofit leadership and management uh, mm-hmm. University of Southern California similarly has that and they've recently instituted a doctoral program um, to train uh, uh, 
people at even even a higher level than than the master's uh, a level. But I don't think uh, schools of social work in general are doing are stepping up to that plate. Uh, as everybody knows, the baby boomers are going to start retiring at least sometime. They're going to start retiring, <laughs> and, and there's going to be a lot of vacancies. Yeah. And I, I I don't think that we as a as a as a sector as a whole um, have a strategy for for filling those uh, vacancies other than odd seriatim, sort of one at a time. Uh, and I would love it if uh, well the alliance and other organizations could develop a sort of system wide strategy. But that's only part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sector has not supported ongoing executive education. Um, one of the things I didn't mention about the Alliance program, uh, Andre, is that, to my knowledge, it's um, the the only one in the School of Social Work. Notre Dame at the Mendoza College of Business has another one mm-hmm. where um, a master's program is affiliated with a national agency. <laughs> Yes, and, con- and continues to work. So we're we're, we're not only long lived, we're pretty right. unique. Most right. of the uh, agencies toss in a little leadership, uh, this and that at their annual right. meeting. But a lot of that is grip and grin. Sure. Uh, ours is really actual work. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, right. and so I I think that if we could have agencies providing more support. I mean, they always say they don't have money, they don't have money, and uh, it's, it's a stress. I'm not saying it's not a stress, but I, I think that underlying that is uh, not a commitment as much as I would like to see for ongoing professional development and talent management within the agencies themselves. So that's yeah. the second piece of it. Maybe we could take a break at this point. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, John Tropman the Henry J. Meyer Collegiate Professor Emeritus of the School of Social Work at the University of Michigan. In the last segment, Andre and John were talking about change leadership. We're talking about the Executive Leadership Institute. And in this final segment, John, we like to ask our special guests to offer some advice for other leaders in the field and to share a mistake that they may have made that helped them to learn something about leadership that they wouldn't have learned without making that mistake. So, John, let's start off. What advice do you have for other leaders in our field? Well, I have two pieces of advice, Tom, and I guess you could say they're sort of common sense, but as most of us know about common sense, it's not all that common. (laughs) So uh, the the first piece is uh, to commit yourself to ongoing learning. So this means at least one development opportunity uh, per year for you that is not your industry's annual meeting. Uh, so that can be webinars, that can be uh, whatever you want it to be, reading book club. Uh, but on- ongoing learning has to become a habit. It's like exercise. You've got to do it reg- regularly. Um, and... Uh, we talked a little bit in the last segment about uh, the problem of cost, and Andre and I have developed a sort of a, a formula for a three-part ask to get your agency uh, maybe helping a little bit more. So instead of asking them to pay the whole thing, uh, we think it's a good idea if you individually pay a third. You need some skin in the game. Then ask your agency director for the other third, and then you and she or he work together for the final third. So it's a sort of a three-part funding operation, and and we've had some pretty good success with that formula over and above trying to get them to pay for the whole thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. The second point is hire a coach. Um, It's very difficult to do the leader job on your own, but for some reason, uh, musicians keep training. They keep having music teachers. Uh, There's this... uh, Famous physician, Gawande, who wrote a piece in the New Yorker about having his surgical, early surgical teacher come in and watch his surgeries, and uh, he felt a little bit embarrassed about how many small mistakes he was sort of making that, that he could improve by having uh, uh, an, ob- an observation. It's important. That it's not your friend. This is somebody that you pay. This is a, a, a professional relationship. Um, so... Bottom line, commit yourself to ongoing learning and get a coach, meet with that coach regularly, review your work, uh, and you'll get better. Great. Great. Any Any other advice? advice? No, that's it. Okay. Uh, I think, then you know, how about sharing the mistake that you I may have made? I, people will remember two of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, Any right. other uh, mistake that you may have made uh, that allows you to learn something important that you wouldn't have learned if I you had made I have that two mistake? Uh, I got a call a number of years ago uh, uh, inviting me to become an associate provost for re- social science research at the University of Michigan. I felt, um, I know this is going to sound a little weird, I felt hesitant about taking it, and I didn't respond fast enough, and they moved on. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned from that is you can't tell when opportunity knocks. When it knocks, answer the door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't keep saying, who is it, who is it, um, <laughs> because they're not going to wait around for you. Um, the second mistake I made was when I uh, took over an executive job at the University of Michigan. We had a national conference in New Orleans, and my uh, assistant said, well, since we're going to have a reception, why don't we have a Bananas Foster? And I hate Bananas Foster, so I said, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Let's just have something else. What happened in that little incident was that I conflated my own judgment and preferences 
with those of the organization. She was right. We were in New Orleans. It's a New Orleans dish. That's what we should have had, among other things. And I shouldn't have just superimposed my wishes over her expertise. So I, I guess my feeling, what I learned from that, is uh, view your own preferences with considerable suspicion. <laughs> and uh, do listen to your staff, especially uh, if, if they're good. And I, I sort of keep uh, John Kennedy's phrase in mind. Uh, he said something like, when ideas come to him, uh, some people they ask why. I always say why not. So my question from uh, for myself with with uh, experienced staff is why not? Why shouldn't we do what they say? Do I have mm-hmm. really strong reasons to to not do that? Uh, uh, because they're bringing it to me. They've thought it through. That's what I'm paying them for, and so uh, I. I I try to err on the side of giving them permission to do stuff rather than superimposing my own values on it. I don't even have to eat the bananas, Foster. I can have something else, so I don't know what I was doing. John, you've, you've offered so many wonderful ideas uh, during our time together today, and uh, Andre and I thank you very much for that. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, and uh, we thank Andre and we thank you, John, for sharing your time with us and your thoughts. Please join us again next time when we offer another edition of Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.